the idea of what's called Kuvaya Itim. We can explore this in the session today and hopefully a session tomorrow. What, what is this idea of having a, a fixed time to learn? So I found a, a very interesting um, medrash in this week's parasha. There's the mitzvah in this week's parasha is Bikurim. The mitzvah requires that we bring the first fruits of the seven species that we have in our orchards to Jerusalem and to give them as an offering. Ultimately, the Kohenim eat them. And the Pasuk says as follows. When you will come to the land, Hashem will give to you. Nachla is inheritance. You should inherit it and you will dwell in it. And the Medrash goes into a um, into a exposition on what this means. Um, I'll read you the whole parasha. It's a parasha which should be Relatively familiar. You'll come into the land. You'll take from the first of all your fruits. To from your land that Hashem has given you. For some to pretend you'll put them in a basket. We have to figure out the major takes this very allegorically. And you'll go to the place that Hashem has chosen, the Shaken Shmasham, for His name to dwell there. And you'll come to the crane that lives in those times. I've told today to Hashem, I've come to the land that Hashem has sworn to our fathers to give to us. Hashem will take the basket filled with fruits and put it in front on the altar. That's the parasha. There's a Medrash Anelam which says the following thing. Um, this is a reference to a person coming to to Olam, to Olam Haba after he shuffles off his mortal coil. And the way that the time span is divided in terms of this world and the next is we have a very temporary, short, relatively speaking, um, wink of time to arrive at some level of closeness to Hashem. That's called this world. And then we have an infinite amount of time to reap the rewards of that small period of striving. Um, That was part of the divine plan to make it so that the time of effort would be limited and the time of receiving the reward reward would be limitless. So a person comes to his um, transition from this world to a different state where the physical is no longer a distraction. And and you will come to the land is a veiled reference to Hu'eretz HaChaim. It's a valid re- reference. The land is the land of the living. That's Olam Haba, a land of eternal life. As it's described, Atzot HaChayim is a reference to Olam Haba. Vindikreis Nachla, and that's also called inheritance. 
Now, you can't arrive in Olam Haba empty-handed. You have to take to Olam Haba the first of the fruits that you got from the land. You have to reap the fruits. You have to take up the fruits, the fruits from the land. Interesting. That a person was put into this world to occupy himself in Torah, mitzvahs, and emunah, and faith. And that's what we're going to explore shortly. Those two questions that I think you already raised. There's two questions, which is a discussion. There's one source which says you're first asked whether you dealt with faith in business. Another source says you're first asked about whether you occupy yourself in Torah study. And, but anyway, those two things are did you occupy yourselves in Torah and Imuna, meaning were you faithful? So you take from the fruit, you get to the, you get to the land. What's the land? Allegorically speaking, land is you get to Olam Emes, the world of truth. And when you arrive there, you have to take something with you. So you have this basket. What should you put in the basket? This is a basket which is filled with mitzvahs in front of Hashem. She go to the place, which is above, which Hashem has chosen, means you want, to, you want to derive benefit, you want to enjoy from the luster of the Divine Presence. And you come to the coin of Michael, that's referring to the Malach Michael, Kohen Godel Shemali, he's the Kohen Godel of above. Hamakim Nishmosim Shat Sadikim Nifnem Bizbeach Hashem. He offers up the souls of the Sadikim in the altar in front of Hashem. Vezeh Vulokach Akoyen Atenim Yodecho, so the Kohen will take this. Vinyech Nifnem Bizbeach Hashem Akecho, and he'll put it in front of Hashem. Vaoime Zemi Ploini Tzadik. This comes from Ploini the Tzadik, Shemevi Eidusoi Vitikuna Biyadoi, that he's brought with him his testimony and his rectification. So that's a really interesting medrash. It kind of focuses on something which I think is the, is the underlying foundation of this thing which is called Kovat Itinu Torah. According to the Gemara um, in Nadorim, I think it is, the Gemara asks a series of six questions. Um, the first one is, Nosatva Nosatva Bemuna, did you deal honestly in business? And the second one is, did you have a fixed time for learning? Now, what's this notion of a fixed time for learning? This, this idea of a fixed time for learning seems to be independent of other things that you have to do with learning. There's lots of stuff you have to do with learning. The Bonasholem created us. And he put us in a world. So this is another interesting hour ahead from uh, you guys who weren't with us. You will put my share on Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, my name's Paris. I'm an alcoholic. Um, so, the the um, the idea of when you um, when you have something in your life which is a non-negotiable entity, there's something that that can't be swayed one way or another. That's called something which is kavua, meaning 
we've got many mitzvahs to learn Torah. There's a mitzvah to know. You have to know Kola Torah Kula. Vishinamtin Levonecho means that the Gemara Kedushin says, Shiyu Divrei Torah Mechudodim Beficho. That the words of Torah have to be sharp on your mouth. Shimishalcha Adam. If a person asks you a question, don't hesitate when you give him an answer. So if I would ask anyone over here, the Pshat in the Gemara in Tumurah Daf Yud, you wouldn't hesitate. The truth is, I, I, I would hesitate because I've never seen the Gemara in Tumurah Daf Yud. <laughs> but it was a problem. But in other words, it's in the mitzvah to know that all you have to... And the reason is because we're put into this world to know Hashem. And if you don't know Hashem, if you don't get to speak to Hashem and see what He has to communicate to you, so then you're going to know Him. My Alcoholics Anonymous was, was my experience was that they speak a lot about surrendering, your, surrendering yourself to higher power and coming to touch with your higher power and your higher power this and your higher power that. And it's a very powerful idea. And the story which I, which I didn't complete with a person, there was a person who was in Yeshiva and he was an alcoholic and he went through Alcoholics Anonymous and he came clean. And the first thing that happened when he came clean is he dropped his observance of Torah mitzvahs. Um, and the reason why he dropped it is he felt that it was completely false and artificial. And um, he felt it was, he, he took it on when he was like, he wasn't in a stable state of mind and therefore was meaningless. So he dropped it and he started from scratch, investigating the tenets of Judaism and looking to find out. And I had the privilege of learning with him, starting from scratch. And we started learning this book called Derech Hashem. And the first step, chapter of Derech Hashem starts to tell you about Hashem. What is Hashem, Ki'ilu, what we can grasp. And it was fascinating. Because all of a sudden, his concept of a higher power, which was a very vague, self-serving concept. There's different levels of a maturity in relationship. There's a baby-mother relationship, where I don't think babies, before they cry seriously ponder if it's going to disturb their mothers. This baby like, is like, baby like looks up at his mother's watch and says, two o'clock in the morning, not a good time to scream. No good time. Now I'll just keep it in to like 6.30 when she's like, no, babies don't think they way. Babies are purely, utterly, completely selfish. 100%. How does it affect the parents? It doesn't. I mean, I don't know about fathers. Maybe it does. Mothers. How does it affect mothers? Mothers, are one who, they want to give to their children. When the baby cries, they cuddle the baby. They're, yeah, I hope. Most of the time. Um, they, want to, they want to give to their child. The fact that the child has got zero consideration for them doesn't make a difference. They, but that's a relationship where it's pretty one-sided. The baby is, in, is very selfish, only looking for his own needs, and the mother's supplying it out of love. You can have that kind of relationship with Hashem. But you don't know who Hashem is. You don't care who Hashem is. You say, I won't give. And you, you, you are related to Hashem because you're looking to Hashem. That's a relationship with a higher power. When you have a relationship with a higher power, you don't think about what the higher power wants. You think what you can get from the higher power. If you want to know what the higher power wants, that involves learning and understanding and maturing in a relationship so that there's not only one direction, it's actually going. You give and you take and you give and you take. So Limitatra involves getting to know the other side. I'm getting to know the, my partner in that relationship. That requires a lot of, a lot of work. So that, there's one mitzvah to, to, to know Kola Torah Kula. This mitzvah of having a fixed time to learn has got nothing to do with that mitzvah. You have to have a fixed time to learn even if you know all the Torah. You, you have a fixed time to learn and this is what it is. 
that when something is non-negotiable in your life, it's an indication that that thing is real. That thing is, that's something that you can take with you to Olam Haba. The minute something is negotiable, so it means it's not a fundamental building block in your persona. It's something which, whenever time I do it. And if I never get the time, then I won't do it. Kovati Itim Torah means that there's a point in my life, and that's the mitzvah of Kovati Itim Torah. Kovati Itim Torah is at a fixed time, and it doesn't matter, the, 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 the Mishabura speaks about it in Simon Kufnun Dalet, and there's a Talocha. Talocha, the Mechaba says Talocha, that after a person has finished davening in the morning, you should go on to the base majors, they're separate locations for davening and for learning. So he says, when you finish davening in the morning, go to the base majors, and on that you say, the person goes, Michael Choyel, the person goes from strength to strength, that you should have a time, a fixed time to learn. It doesn't specify the amount of time. It could be five minutes. But if anything happens in that time, it's absolutely not negotiable. And many a story is told about the person that's offered wealth and riches and it clashes with their learning time and he doesn't, he doesn't budge. And the happy endings is, and then someone comes back and offers him twice around. And then you get the guys that they just lose the deal. Doesn't make a difference. Right? Doesn't make a difference. If you think like you're not going to, if a guy comes like you've been waiting your whole life for someone to interrupt your learning because you think now you're going to make it big. This guy comes and you go your 45 minutes of learning. He wants to have a meeting dafka there. And you say, no, I believe in the power of making more money. And then you like don't turn up to the meeting and then you lose the deal and nothing happens. It could also be. So, this thing of Kvirs Itim Torah is a really powerful and basic component of our Jew. In other words, it's question, it's question number two when you get to Shemaim. Question number one is the Nosaita of Nosaita Bemunos. I just want to deal briefly before we go further with uh, Lior's question. There's two Gemaras. The one Gemara says, Poitemaim Reish is that the first thing that you ask is, did you, did you study Torah? And Agamara says, the first thing you ask is, did you deal honestly in business? What's the, what's the vote? So there's an interesting Kedusha Salevi, Kedusha Salevi, sorry, that says that when a person, he reads the Gemara like this, that the, the din is always on, the, 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 the confrontation is always in regard to the study of, of Torah. Um, and it works like this, that the t- first two questions, Nosatva Nosata Be'emuna, Kovati Timnuturi, did you deal honestly in business? Did you have fixed time for learning? Or an ex- one is an explanation of the other. He says the following thing. He says, when you, a person is well-versed in the study of Torah. I'll give an example that Rabbi Greenlet opened my eyes to. On Friday, um, I decided that I wanted to go to the mikveh covered Shabbos. And I decided to go for the biggest mikveh in the world, Marubra Beach. So I went there, and being like a Haredi swimmer, I went into the sea with my glasses, which is not always the wisest thing. It's actually it's okay when you're swimming in the Mediterranean. But when you're swimming in, in, in the Pacific and the actual waves, it's not the best idea. Now, when you have like still remnants of your 
past floating up somewhere inside and you like body surfing, it's an even worse idea. Because what happens is when you see that wave about to break and you see the potential of being propelled forward, there's almost an irresistible urge to go for it. And I felt that irresistible urge. <coughs> and it was in a magnificent wave. And as I surfaced, there was one point I realized, glass is gone. The glasses were gone. Popped up, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything went blurred. So I thought about for a long time why that could be, and I realized I lost my glasses. So now, the sea is a big place. It's a very big place, the sea. The chance of me finding the glasses are not that great. So I, I start to like, grope around in the water. There must be a somewhere. <laughs> as I'm doing that, as I'm doing that, something, I feel something underneath my foot. My glasses. It's a miracle. It's a proof that I'm a prophet. <laughs> um, so now, when, when I told the story to, to Rabbi Greenblatt, he immediately grasped that that's a, it's a Gomorrah in Bava Metziah that says if you find something washed up on the shore, it belongs to you. It's Hefka. So he said to me, oh, you've, you've just got a brand new pair of glasses. Because in the world of Aloha, I knew I was not getting those glasses back. I gave up hope completely. It was, it was impossible. So when I found them, I found a, piece of, a pair of glasses which were ownerless. So what, the, what that's talking about, what it means is that when you are well-versed in the study of Torah, it informs every part of your life becomes a sugya. Every part of your life becomes, uh, becomes a gemara. My trip to the beach became a Gemara. So Rabbi Levi Yitzhak says that when you, the two questions of Nosatim and Nosatim and Nosatim are interdependent. When you have learning as the, the, the focal point of your life, so then your business takes on a completely different facet. Every time you're going to a deal, there's a question is, well, is there interest involved in this deal? Is there is there Gnevas das deceit involved? Is it is it um, I don't know, I don't want other questions. I mean there's numerous questions with my symbol. It becomes your whole life becomes a sugya. So the bringing together of the two seemingly contradictory mores is they both talk about the same thing. Of course, the, the first thing that you ask is, did you apply yourself properly in Torah? The way it manifests is in your business conduct. Conduct. If you applied yourself honestly in Torah, so then it would reflect in your business. So really those two questions are interrelated. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's an idea which I think is extremely relevant because it, it focuses on integration. But the point of Kirsten is not only that, it's the notion of stability and an uncompromising devotion to this. Now, I want you to speak rather practically. You know, because how does this work? We all live in a society which places enormous demands on our times. And we're all juggling multiple things. Many of us are juggling family, work, exercise, tourist study, tefillah. And there's pretty much not enough time in the day to do everything. And you have to start to think about your life and think about when push comes to shove, what gives. So what you want to do is you want to be clever about locating a time which is doable. You have to be realistic. So the thought that crossed my mind 
is that there's a global project whereby there's a calendar that people learn two Mishnayot every single day. Now, to learn two Mishnayot, um, if, if you want to, you can, the Shear itself, if you listen to it, there's, there's, I checked online, there are quite, quite a few websites, quite a variety of websites that have a, a Shear posted online every day. So you could download the share. To listen to the share, I think the share are either five minutes permission or five minutes in total. It's not, it's not a lot, it's not a big time commitment. And if you stick to it, you go through all of Shas in six years. So that's a very small investment for a very large gain. Um, the investment is more because time-wise it, it's a doable and it creates a commitment to a certain not in time, but in material of kvius, of something which is, which is, which is you know, if you, can, if you can do that at a specific time in the day so that, that that's the real thing. If you can't do it at a specific time of day, it's getting to that point where something is non-negotiable in your life. Um, you know, especially if you, if you thread it into a part of your day where it becomes something that you do before you do something else. So, you know, five minutes of time, just practically speaking, is not a huge amount of time, and generally we do have five minutes floating around our lives. So let's say, you, you know, it may be that you don't go to bed, you don't brush your teeth until, I'm assuming, certain levels of hygiene here. You don't, you don't brush your teeth until you've done your two Mishnahis, or you don't, you don't leave the shul until you've learned your two Mishnahis in Shachris, or you don't start Shachris until you, no, that's not a good idea. Um, in other words, that you have, you have something which is flexible. So, what I'd really like to do is try to find a way of, and that's what we'll do in the second session, what I try to do is try to find a way of using those two Mishnayot per day as a great, um, first of all, fiercely in the Torah, and also a handle onto a connection to the spiritual world, that you can have that, and even if you know, for some reason, neither learning takes place in that. At least you have that. So you're still hanging on. Um, so that's what, what we'll explore. Hopefully we'll do, we'll do that tomorrow. What I want to do just in the last few minutes we have is a brief summary. And before I start the brief summary, um, just for today, who knows what will be tomorrow, uh, Darren Resnick thanked us at the beginning. I think it was a wise decision because if things went wrong, he still would have thanked us. Um, I had confidence in Darren that I could thank him after the day had already transpired. So I think uh, the organization and the time and the effort that, that Darren put in, that Rabbi Greenblatt put in, and I watched those emails going back and forth. At some point in time, I lost track of what those two guys were doing. Um, but it, it was enormous, enormous amounts of preparation. The, the, this idea was born, I think, eight months ago, if not longer. And it's been the preparations started then and figuring out, you know, how it should work and who it should work and where it should be done. It's, don't underestimate the degree of preparation, effort and um, time that went into this. So I think, first of all, I want to thank Darren, um, Rabbi Greenblatt for the immense effort that they put into setting up the schedule, choosing the material, making it work. I think, I think today was an incredible success. And I want to thank everyone over here because the truth is, you know, sometimes you can set up the best program 
but if you don't have the enthusiasm coming, enthusiasm coming from the side of the participants, so it falls pretty flat. And I feel that today everyone extended themselves. It wasn't, you know, the morning was exciting, but it was challenging. It was like, it was like running a half marathon. It wasn't, who does that? So, it, was, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, and everyone kind of gave of themselves, and they participated, and I, I think it's amazing. So I want to thank, thank Darren about Greenback, all the other people that are involved in the organization behind the scenes as well, and I also want to deeply thank you for, for that participation. So, shukoyach. Uh, let's just, for some of you, aren't going to be, aren't going to be here to, tomorrow, so I want to just like, concretize a bit of a takeaway. I think what, what I experienced this morning in the interactive learning and this afternoon in terms of the more um, lectures was a... When Jews sit together and learn Torah, it's a very engaging, energizing, and exciting experience. And it's essentially through my, through my life, and I think you could probably testify this, to this yourselves, that what learning does to Judaism is what blood does to your body. <laughs> and that keeps it going. And when, when the learning subsides and we are left keeping a Judaism which is ritualistic. In other words, there's Shabbos, there's Kashrus, there's all the, all, the, all the rituals are in place, but there's no learning, so it starts to become extremely dry. It starts to become a little bit boring and, and meaningless. Whereas when you're learning, it injects a certain energy, fluidity, and geschmack in the keeping of Torah And the truth is, it's like a bizarre thing, because learning is an easy thing to love when you get into it but it requires a little bit of getting into so I think the takeaway from today is that it's such an amazing engaging and enlightening thing it's such a rare gift to us we, 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 we say thank you to Hashem every morning in two brochas there's two brochas everything and actually one of the, the, the first brochas there's, there's a question if it's, if it's considered you know before you eat fruit you have to say a brocha before you eat anything you're going to taste you have to say a brocha so the question is is the brocha also under that category because it's tasty so you know the brocha is Hashem should make it sweet for me it could be it's a tasty brocha that you can't, you can't eat Torah until you've said the brocha so it's a gishmaka thing Again, you need to have the right facility, you need to be surrounded by the right people. But the truth is, that, that, that isn't that hard to fix up. So I think the takeaway for, for me from this day is that let us all, including myself, try and make learning uh, a part of our life. We'll discuss how to do more directly, but just dumb. Having more opportunities to learn. And the truth is, sometimes you, you can have opportunities face-to-face. But now, there is such a huge range of, of online stuff that you can get. High-quality stuff. And you can do lots of different stuff. You know, there's virtual shivers. I had the most amazing experience. In Banner's money, someone phoned me up and said, this guy, he's a PhD from Harvard. He wants to come learn Gomorrah. So we said, time we learn Gomorrah brachas. And he, he, like, he read like a pro. And he asked brilliant kashas. So I said to him, how long, like, who did you learn by? How long have you been learning? He says, no, I've never learned Gemara before. I said, what? He's like, he wasn't like reading it like, 
Amar Rav Tos. Amar Rav. Where did it come from? He said he learned. He learned Daf Yomi through online. He had a Daf Yomi share that he learned, and he was it was amazing. Now I'm not saying that that's the ideal situation. You want to have a, a live rabbi, but just think about the advantages. Can you put your live rabbi on pause? <laughs> Can you fast forward him when he gets boring? So I'm saying the advantages you have to you have to know. But the kids, there's there's a lot of stuff available. But especially now in Elo, when you're thinking about different ways of of children and and getting more life into our Judaism, and the the, the external culture is extremely extremely hostile. It doesn't really you don't like. There's no I haven't I've looked around certainly I've never seen a big poster which says, "Have you made fixed time? Have you had fixed times for your learning?" There's lots of other stuff being advertised, but. That's not on the billboards. So it's, it means that the, the, the world's not going in that direction. So we have to be a little bit like Avram. Avram was called Avram Ivri. He was Avram the one on the bank because the whole world was on one side of the river and he was on the other side of the river. So we're still pretty much that. We want to, everyone else is going in a completely different direction. And we have to steer against the tide. We have to be like salmons swimming upstream. So it's my brocha and um, tefillah that we should, we should be able to integrate this more into our lives Thank you for your participation and have a great day.